Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot. And this is Season 1, Episode 8 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 different platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. The video version is on YouTube. If you would like to support me as an anti-MLM content creator because you enjoy anti-MLM content, the very best way you can do that is through my Patreon. There'll be a link to that in the description. I've made it really simple. There's three tiers ranging from a dollar to $10 a month and literally any amount helps. I wanted to give a special shout out to my latest patrons. Thank you so very much, Whitney Sheehan, for coming in at the White Oak level. And thank you, Nicole Delaney, for coming in at the Braised Bayou level. I cannot tell you how much your support means to me. Thank you so much. I am honored and humbled that you choose to support me. And if you're listening to me via Anchor, you can donate via listener support. And that's somewhere where you can find it. I can't direct you exactly to it because I'm not looking at it. But you're smart. You'll figure it out. Today's guest is Doug Duncan. Doug was in a spiritual religious cult for 20 years, and today he is a licensed professional counselor. Information about Doug will be found in the description, and you can reach out to him because he might be able to help you. He specializes in spiritual abuse and people who have been in cults. In this episode, we discuss how shame relates to being in a high-control group, be it a religious cult or multi-level marketing. So let's go ahead and get to it. Hey, Doug, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I'm so glad you're here, and I thought it'd be really interesting for my um, audience to hear about what your experience was being involved in a cult, and if you could talk about that, and then we'll dovetail that into what you do now professionally and how you help others. Okay. Well, when I was in college, uh, I met a man who was a, a Bible study teacher. It was, was his um, thing that he said that he did, although what, what he really was was a cult leader. Um, he, he led a group of people, and, and it started out, uh, as a lot of these things do, seeming pretty innocuous. They were just meeting uh, for Bible study, but slowly but surely, uh, he gathered a group of younger people uh, around him. He was 20 years older than me. I was 18 when I met him, and he was 38. Uh, a, a lot of the people were more like my age than his, and he gathered a group around him, and, and slowly but surely, over time, uh, the group became more and more controlling and eventually became what I finally realized was a cult. It took, it took me 20 years, but, but finally I did get out. Uh, and then there I was in my early 40s, kind of at loose ends in my life. So I had to figure out what to do. I went back to school, uh, got a master's degree in counseling and, and started working in the mental health field. And now I have a private practice where uh, my specialty is counseling former cult members and people who have had devastating experiences of spiritual abuse. Um, That's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, You know, there's of course a a lot of, a lot of drama that happened around, around leaving the group. Um, I had been dating the woman who uh, who I wanted to marry, and of course, it's a very controlling group. And they they weren't letting us get married, so we eloped, and you know that that finally led to us leaving. But uh, but there was a lot of uh, a lot of drama leading up to that. Leading up to that, and my wife actually ended up writing a book about it all, uh, called uh, uh, "I Can't Hear God Anymore: Life in a Dallas Cult." So um, so that that's kind of been a part of our thing that we do too. Uh, so I, you know, that's it in a nutshell. I don't know. I, I, I can go, I can go into more depth, but I, I think that's uh, kind of the pricey right there. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, you know, because you said it took you 20 years to realize, oh my goodness, this mm-hmm. is a cult. Um, and so obviously you had to have been indoctrinated over time with, with right, all of this. Right. Um, so I'm just kind of curious about when you started kind of waking up and realizing this isn't exactly what I thought it was, and this is actually destructive, and I really should get myself out. What, what's, what happened there? 
Um, a lot of that, I think, was was around them not letting us get married because we there we were. We were both in our forties, um, and and then and then of course you get feedback from other people, families, friends around that say, you know, that's kind of weird. Why why can't y'all get married? And and uh, it, and it wasn't, you know, of course, from the cult's point of view, you know, they were very smooth about that. Oh yeah, you can get married if you want to. We just won't participate in it. You know that you know different ways you know to control you like that, and of course, you know you're you're kind of as you say indoctrinated, and you feel like you know in order for the marriage to be real and spiritual and meaningful and important, then you know the you know it's got to have the cult's blessing. So, um, so I think I think that was the big the big rift that that I wanted to do uh, a major thing in my life, and I wasn't being. Uh, supported and in fact was in some ways being prevented from doing that and that I think that was that was the key um you know my wife goes into more depth uh, you know some some other things that happened uh, you know I had a daughter from a previous marriage and she was needing some help and and I, you know I was not in a position to be able to help her because of all the things you know my obligations and commitments to the cult um I, I call it a, a cult, but you know, to the to the group. Um, so I, you know, I think I think that was some of it too. Was not not being able to be there for my daughter in the way that I needed to. Uh, she was having she was a young adult by that point and was was having some struggles, and I needed to be able to help her as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the um, controlling aspects. Uh, that was going on because I think that will probably dovetail a lot into what happens in multi-level marketing. So I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about that if you can share it. Sure. Well, you know, one of, one of the things that you have to understand about people is that we are social creatures. And so, um, it, you know, so, so it is very, very natural for us to, to try to live up to and meet social expectations of other people. We don't want to disappoint others. Uh, we want to, and in fact, that's one of the ways that we learn how to be a part of society. We look at others, we see what they're doing, uh, people, people around us that we respect and, and they're saying, let's, let's do this thing and let's do it this way. And, you know, their lives seem to be working well for them. And so you say, oh yeah, this must be the right way to do things. So, um, so that's a, that's a big one. So if you're around people who are uh, doing things in a particular way, uh, you tend to fall in line. That is natural. That is natural human behavior, and especially when when people have some some authority. If they're like in a religious context, obviously, if there's some kind of a clergy person or some kind of spiritual authority, you know that carries a lot of weight. Uh, in the business world, same thing. If you know, if somebody is upline, if they they are more successful, if they're your boss, if they're the the founder of a company, whatever it is, um, you know that gives them a lot of authority, and we very very naturally want to obey authority. That's uh, that's human nature. I mean, we start out, uh, you know, we're socialized, you know, from the time you're a toddler, learning to learning to obey your authority of figures, and so um, you know, as adults sometimes the the authority gets more subtle but uh but that doesn't necessarily make it less controlling yeah absolutely and as you know hearing you talk about this and definitely within multi-level marketing whether it is your quote direct upline or mm -hmm. it's someone who is being successful in the company or like in Beachbody's case you know you have the super trainers on stage all these different people that you're looking up to and that you are wanting to please and you are mm -hmm. wanting to you know succeed and so you will keep doing and i'm just gonna say i call it janky behavior so it's like all these things that it's like okay it's not really getting me where i want to be but they're telling right. me this is what i need to do so i'm going to keep on doing it because that's all i know to do right and if you're if you're not succeeding it must be your fault oh right? absolutely absolutely right. the the blame always always comes back to it's your fault and yeah. You're not working hard enough. Oh my gosh, no, you're not working hard enough. Meanwhile, you could be working 10, 12 hours a day on this. And what's so funny is they always talk about having this freedom. Mm 
but you become a slave to technology. You're a slave to your phone. You're a slave to your laptop because you've always got to be available. There's people taking pictures of themselves, like, you know, as they're like going into delivery, you know, having a baby. It's like, isn't that a time you should not be worrying about doing selfies, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, can let that go. But people just keep on wanting to show like, look how much freedom I have. And it's like, that doesn't seem very freeing to do that. But, no. you know, um, but the whole idea of having freedom, they keep saying it and saying it and saying it. And you really think, okay, this is the path to it. But you never actually achieve it because you're always you know chasing after to get someone to join you somebody leaves and myself I didn't have that experience because I couldn't build anything but overall if somebody does have a quote team they're having to always keep it up to be able to maintain the rank that they have and the extra you know money that they get that cycles in through however it does within the the compensation plan but it's all very much to keep um you know, the, whoever is up above you, keep them happy and to do the things that you'll be seen as worthy in their eyes. Because there's a lot of things that are withheld that you can only get certain things if you achieve X, Y, or Z. Then right. you like, you know, it opens up the next door. I don't know if that worked like that for you or not. Well, um, all cults have something called a sacred science. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the seminal work in the field was, was a book called The Psychology of Totalism by a guy named Robert Lifton. Uh, you, may, you may be familiar with it, but, you know, he talks about the, the different characteristics of a thought reform environment. And he got interested in this subject by, by studying American prisoners of war who had, been, who had been captured in the Korean War and had been, had been flipped over to the other side by a process it was called in those days brainwashing. Nobody really says brainwashing anymore. We talk about thought reform, but one of the one of the things of of one of the uh, characteristics of a thought reform environment is the sacred science. You know, they have they have a a way to do something to to live to be to what whatever it is to. In, obtain nirvana or enlightenment or salvation or uh, in the case of MLMs, the sacred science would be, you know, follow our formula, follow our plan, and you will attain, you know, prosperity and financial freedom, whatever, whatever the goal is, uh, you know, the ultimate thing, but there's a sacred science there. They, They have figured it out. They have the way to do it. And what you have to do is follow their plan. And if for some reason you're not achieving that, then it falls back on, well, then it's your fault. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's just, that's uh, an issue of manipulation. Um, but you, you're, you're always uh, with, with cultic groups, and, and to me, multi-level marketing groups are cultic groups. Uh, what is always happening is, they're using guilt, you know, so it's, so it's always, it's always a matter of try harder, try harder, try harder. Um, so that, you know, and, and the, the fault is always yours because the sacred science, it can never be, a, it can never be wrong. So there's nothing wrong with the system. There's nothing wrong with the business plan. The fault has to be that you're imperfectly executing it. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow you're doing it just wrong, even though you're following every step that, you know, as you're told to do, but you still believe that you're doing it in incorrectly somehow. Right. And one of the things that I'm seeing, because I woke up to holy crap, what I'm involved in is just not a good idea. When we moved, um, cause you, you know, we live in Houston and we moved like a few blocks from each other. And when we did, we cut the cord from cable. So I started watching a lot of YouTube and mm-hmm. across, you know, my recommended started coming these anti MLM videos. And I'm like, Oh, Holy crap. I was a hunbot. I had no idea. And then I found the Reddit r slash anti MLM. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is what people yes. are saying about what we're doing. Holy right. crap. Oh, I was so embarrassed and ashamed and just everything. And that's what I see a lot of is that people who leave, I think that they are carrying a lot of shame and guilt and may not right. even be aware that they're carrying that with them. 
Well, and, and this is one of the things that I do in my work with former cult members. And, and I, I would, if I were counseling a former uh, MLM hunbot, if you will, um, you know, I, I would take the same approach I, is that first of all, I would let them know that it, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not flawed. You're not some mutant who, who was, you know, somehow uniquely gullible or anything like that. Well, all, all that happened was that you were subjected to a number of thought reform techniques that are very, very powerful. And because you're human, they worked on you. So uh, what, what we try to tell people who were in cults is that really you were a victim. Mm -hmm. You just happened on the wrong person at the wrong time at a time when you were vulnerable, usually at a time of transition in your life. Um, I met my former leader when I was, was in college, which is a big, I was 18 years old. I had just left home. That's a big time of transition. There's a lot of insecurity. And that's a time, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of cults do focus on trying to recruit people because they are very much in transition at that time. And, and that makes them vulnerable. You probably had things that made you vulnerable uh, whenever you started uh, your involvement with the MLM. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I had gone through breast cancer. And the day that I went back to work, because um, I was working for a big oil company here in Houston at mm -hmm. the time. And when I went back to work that day, I was laid off. Like 80% of the training department was let go. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was like, oh my gosh. And we were also in the process of moving. My husband at the time was a server at a restaurant in downtown Houston. Wasn't really happy with that. And then he transitioned to where he works now. He's now um, a wine guy. He's a sommelier. Yeah. But I was making the most money. And so we went from me making all this money to having to move and trying to figure out everything. So I was very vulnerable because I was uh, yeah. like middle finger up to corporate America because what have you done for me lately other than kick me out at a time when I was, you know, having you know health issues. So yeah, I was extremely vulnerable. And at the time I wouldn't have thought it, but you know, looking back in retrospect, I'm like, Oh, I was a perfect target. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You were classically vulnerable. And, and you know, I, I think, I, you know, again, none of that was your fault. I mean, you, you didn't decide to be laid off. You didn't decide to have breast cancer. And I, I mean, you know, so those were all factors in your life that were outside of, of any choices that you had made, but they did leave you vulnerable to manipulation, to the appeal of a, of a determined persuader. Yeah. Yeah. And the person who persuaded me was um, someone who had moved into the same complex we were in was literally on the same floor. So she was my neighbor and mm -hmm. she didn't even have to say very much to me. I'm the one that like was like came up with the idea after she had peppered the conversation, you yeah. know, well, she, may, she may have been a, a good manipulator and that a, a good manipulator can, can be subtle. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah. Certainly. So, so you were vulnerable and you got, you got taken advantage of and victimized. So, so that would be the first thing that, that um, I would work with somebody who had been in, in, in any kind of group like this is to, is to realize, Hey, this wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You got taken advantage of. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's unfortunate and it's sad and, and um, you know, it was hurtful and it is hurtful hurtful, but, but you don't need to blame yourself for it. Yeah. Well, you know, what I also find too, is that especially like comments on my videos and things is that people who have still been drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will, because mm -hmm. um, I can tell, you know, that they're still believers by what they'll right. say. And for me personally, it's like, it's not going to do any good for me doing tit for tat, trying to go back and forth because what your mindset is due to the thought reform that it's just, it's just like, you know, trying to talk to a brick wall. I'm not going to get anywhere with that at right, all. Right. Right. Has that been your experience as well? When people yeah, are, yeah, when, when somebody is under the thought reform, um, it, it is very difficult to, to break through that because they're invested in it because again, for, for reasons that, that are common to all human beings, you don't want to believe that you're wrong. So 
So you will use a process of rationalization to, to convince yourself that what you're doing is right. So um, there, are, there are people, and this is not something that I do, there are people, and I know some of them, who specialize in trying to help people get out of a thought reform environment, who do exit counseling. Um, that's a different specialty than, than what I do. The exit counseling, you know, sometimes takes, uh, takes days. It's what they used to call deprogramming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there are people who, who, you know, specialize in that. Uh, usually it's very, very expensive, uh, you know, because somebody, you have to have somebody maybe fly in from another location and, and, you know, they spend several days preparing and preparing the family and, set up an intervention. You know, this is what they call it. Now with, with a multi-level marketing, maybe you wouldn't have to do, uh, you know, do as extensive a thing, but it, it still is not something that you easily break somebody out of just by, um, you know, just by arguing with them. And then a lot of times you'll just push them further in. That, that's exactly what I've said. Cause there are some people out there that just, you know, they're telling their friends, you're in a pyramid scheme. Well, that, that's not going to do anything other than make them just run back and, you know, dig their heels in more. And I always just kind of think about it of, you know, like growing up, I will say I was a bit rebellious and, you know, I wasn't always the best at picking the best guys. And if my mom, you know, thought somebody wasn't quite right for me, well, then I just wanted to go out with them all more. Sure. Absolutely. And so it yeah. seems kind of like the same sort of thing, you know? I yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, the main thing I think with people that, that get caught up in a situation, whether it's, you know, MLM or cults or whatever, um, it, the best thing you can do to them is just, is just kind of remain friends with them so that they know that they have somebody to turn to when the thing starts to fall apart for them, because inevitably it will. Absolutely. It, it might take some time. And like in your case, it was 20 years, but you know, it, right. it will take some time. And, you know, and I think I, I watch a lot of, um, like I, I watch Chris Shelton, who's a former Scientologist mm -hmm. sure. and, you know, different people like that, um, John Attack. And because mm -hmm. I'm interested because it all crosses over into multi-level marketing and it's really helped me myself see what I went through by hearing their stories, you know? Right, right. And so it's yeah. like, I'm not alone, you know, and it's, and it goes back to the whole thought reform is a thing. And I, I believe like within our judicial system, there's people saying that there is, and there isn't, it seems to be like a lot of fighting about whether or not it's a real thing. And having right. been through it, I'm like, it's a real thing. It, it is a real thing. Um, and, and actually in the UK, they, they've got a law now against coercive control. We don't really have anything quite like that in the United States. Um, and, and the problem is it's very, very difficult to prove, number one. And number two, um, it's, th there's kind of a continuum. I mean, so, so it would be pretty hard. It would be pretty hard to convict somebody most of the time, I think. I, and, and that's probably one of the reasons why it's not, not illegal right now is how do you write the law and how do you, how do you do it in such a way that it, that it catches the people that you want to catch, but doesn't catch people who are not necessarily doing that. So it, it is a difficult topic. It absolutely is. Yeah. Well, for yourself, I'm kind of interested in the thought reform techniques that were used on you because you're like, oh, yeah. talk about yeah. that because we'll probably see some of the multi-level marketing within some of that. Um, well, uh, Maybe the simplest way to break it down is uh, Steve Hassan's model yeah, that yeah. he that that he does the bite model that where you have um, behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. And so uh, it's easy, you know, it's easy to remember because you got a, a mnemonic with the bite. Um, so you know they. they 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 work on controlling your behavior. That's you know that's pretty easy by by controlling your time and giving you uh, you know lots and lots of things to do and keeping you busy. Um, and and all cults do this, by the way. Uh, you know, be, being busy is a big part of it because the busier you are, the less time you have to stop and think. Hey, what am I really doing here? What am I getting out of this? Is this really making me happy? And you know is 
Is what I'm involved in actually contributing to my flourishing? Or is it all just a pie in the sky thing, you know, that, that is supposed to come someday, but, you know, meanwhile, here I am, I've spent all my money buying all this product and, you know, can barely, you know, I've got a room full of it in the back or whatever. And so you've got the behavior, then you've got the information control. They keep you focused on uh, consuming information that reinforces their own message. And, you know, I've actually, you know, in jobs, I've worked in sales before and, and uh, you know, not in multi-level marketing necessarily, but, but you know, e even in regular sales, there's a lot of emphasis on, on you know, keeping you pumped up, pumped up to keep selling the product. And, and you know, some of that, you know, some of that, of course, is, is probably doesn't cross the line. I mean, you have to keep an employee force motivated and, you know, selling, selling is difficult work. Uh, you know, even if you have a good product and even if, you know, even if you're not doing it as a multi-level thing, it's still, you know, it's still difficult. So you have to keep people motivated, but, but, you know, when it goes to the point where you're keeping somebody motivated to continue to do something that is not in your own best interest, then, you know, and that, that actually, I think is the bottom line. It's like, you can work for a company and I work for a corporation as well right now. You can you can work for a company, and you have informed consent, and you may you may be, you know, working hard, but you understand what you're doing, and you understand why you're doing it, and you understand what the benefits are and what the pay structure is, and 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 so in some sense, it's contributing to your flourishing as a human being. But if 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 it's not contributing, then then you know it's a free country, and you have you have the right to leave. But you know what happens in in cultic groups, and what happened in my group is, you know, over more and more time, you feel like you have less and less less and less freedom to leave because you get more and more invested in what it is that you're doing. You you don't have more financial freedom. You have less. All of a sudden, you've got all this money invested in all this product that you still have to move. I don't know how your particular MLM worked, but but you know, in, in a lot of cases, that's what happens. And um, and and so you actually kind of get trapped in the in the thing. Uh, as far as as thought reform, it's the same thing. You know, you you're over and over and over again reinforcing yourself on the sacred science on on this is the way, this is the thing. Um, and, and, you know, they're good at it. There's actually, they're actually pretty sophisticated. Um, and, and some of it, you know, it's a proven fact in psychology that you naturally believe what you hear. Mm -hmm. So if you hear something, the natural way that you're going to respond to it, if, if, if you're a human being, is to believe it. You're naturally going to believe it and, and to negate it and to say, no, wait a minute, that might not be true. To have a little bit of, of, of skepticism, even healthy skepticism takes a little bit of extra effort. It takes another step. You have to, you have to actually step back and put some energy into examining it. But the, the default mode for us is to believe what we hear. So if you, if you are immersed in an environment where you're hearing over and over again that this product is great, these people are great, what we're doing is important, uh, you know, we have the message that will save the world or we have the product that people need, whatever, whatever it is, what, you know, capital IT, it, whatever it is, you're, you know, you're hearing that, that reinforcement over and over and over again. And it's very, very difficult not to believe it. That's one of the one of the things that Robert Lifton noticed when he was, um, you know, looking at the at the prisoners in North Korea. You know, they they just uh, one of the things that that the the communist um, captors did was they they just told them this stuff over and over and over again. If you hear it ten thousand times, you're going to believe it. Um, so, so that was one of the things that worked on me and our cult. We had Bible studies four, four or five nights a week. So, so we were hearing the same indoctrination over and over and over and over and over again. Well, after, even if you were skeptical at first, even if you were resistant at first, if you stayed in the environment and continued to hear the message over and over and over again, eventually you were going to start to believe it. And that did work. Um, 
and then the emotional control you know that's all over the place with these groups and also with, with MLM is you know oh this is your true family you know we love you the people outside you know they, they they don't get it but we get it in here so you have that sense of community that sense of belonging that sense of purpose hugely important things for human beings we all need that we need other people to affirm us um, no man is an island as they say so you know we're social social creatures we want to be around other people who want to be around us it's really interesting to me when you when you're talking about like basically the longer that you're into it because what starts coming to my mind are the people who are you know at the top of the MLM if you will you know the ones that seem to be making it that everybody wants to be like or whatever because I mean they come across on social media whether right. it's their posts or you know they do a video whatever they can come across kind of harsh towards their downline or you know people that are watching them and um being almost kind of cruel and kind of like they're so much better but i would think that since they've been in it some of them five ten years Mm -hmm. that you know that whole thing that they have to keep on believing what they're saying can you speak to about that about if you're in something for that amount of time and for your case i mean you were in it for 20 years before all of a sudden it's like wow the light goes off like this isn't a good thing how might might that work in a multi-level marketing situation oh it's the most basic principle in psychology one of the very most basic ones which is called cognitive dissonance so you you can't you cannot live with a cognitive dissonance. That's why you have to rationalize. Uh, you if you, you can't you can't be involved in doing something while simultaneously thinking that this is bad. You will you will work it around in your brain to say, well, this is actually good ultimately because this and this and this. I, somebody I forget who but somebody said man is not a rational animal or man is not a a reasonable animal he is a rationalizing animal so we rationalize and so if you have been in it for five ten years you've you know you've taken advantage of a lot of the people who are downline because really and truly if if you've made if you've made a lot of money uh, and, and being at the top of a pyramid, then what you have done really is, is, is pretty sociopathic. Well, you, 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 have, you have taken advantage of a lot of people below you um, and, and somehow or another you've got to rationalize it. Otherwise, you, you would look, look at yourself and say, oh my goodness, I'm a monster. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. You cannot, you cannot think that if if you are a normal human being, unless you're a psychopath of some kind, you would not be able to do that. And I'm sure most of these people are probably not psychopaths. They're probably normal people that, you know, they got into something and then, then the logic of the system that they get caught up in, uh, you know, forces them to behave in the ways that they do. Um, the only the only way to reclaim your humanity is to get out of the dehumanizing system but but the truth is you you, you know you are taking advantage of people you're taking advantage of all all of your downlines so what would it take for someone like that to be able to i guess wake up and realize that what they're doing is destructive to other people I, you know that's a that's a good question. Um, I I would think that that it it would have to uh, run into one of your other values. So, um, and and you know this is motivational interviewing. You know people 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 do have values. So I I I, I could maybe imagine a scenario where somebody was doing doing this this kind of behavior over and over again. And the way that they rationalize it to themselves is by dehumanizing the people below them. But maybe somehow, some way, somebody who was human below them came in, came to their attention. Maybe, maybe their 
child or, or, or somebody else that they care about gets caught up into a multi-level marketing scheme. And then they would look at it and say, Oh my goodness, is this what this really is? I, that, you, you know, that's just something that occurs to me that, so their value of their love for their, for, for maybe their child would, would conflict with their value of, you know, making themselves rich. And then they would look at it and say, gosh, is this what I'm doing? Is it, it, you know, that, that, that would be the kind of conflict that might break somebody out of it. I don't, I don't suppose it happens very often. I, I would think not, not after somebody has, you know, gotten to the top, so to speak. And especially if they go from one to another and oftentimes people who are quote at the top will have other businesses as well, be it like, I'm just making something up right now. Say that they have like a perfume line now, or they have, yeah. you know, some sort of, um, I don't know, specialized flower arrangement, you know what? I mean, they have like yeah. other little things that they start doing. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you're having to do something else because obviously this multi-level marketing thing isn't able to sustain and carry and be indefinite. I mean, sure. Maybe you might be bringing in some money, but it's never as, the amount of money that people try to make you think that it is, it's never that, but you have to make money somehow. So now they're doing something else to, you know, prop them up and make it that lifestyle that other people can see that they're then saying you can have this lifestyle through multi-level marketing. Right. Right. Um, the, The truth is only a very, very small percentage of people. I, I, and, um, I, the statistic I recently read was like, a quarter of 1% really get, get rich off of the, the mold, even though that's what they're selling to everybody, you know, that you're going to get rich doing this. But, but as it turns out, maybe one in 400 people actually does. So I, I think, I think there are probably a very, very tiny group of people who do somehow or another, you know, manage to make it work for them. But overwhelmingly it's on the backs of all the other people who, who, you know, are taking advantage of. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this about people who exit, you know, from multi-level marketing, from any kind of, you know, destructive cult. Myself, once I realized what I was in, I couldn't help but start speaking about it because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I just, I just have to say something. And that's not typically what most people do. Most people just kind of like slink on off and like, you know, have their life and go on. And then some people join another multi-level marketing and then another one after that. But People in general, um, they just they just don't want to talk about it publicly, right? You know, um, and I think you know, and I'm not saying everybody has to come like you know talk on my show or anything like that, but it seems to me that it'd be worthwhile if more people would talk about it because it seems like that would serve as a way of warning to others if more stories that were out there. Right, right. Well, people people are damaged by these experiences. And um, I, I think it's, I think it's understandable that they, they kind of want to go off and, and lick their wounds, if you will, and, and, and try to heal. Uh, not, my wife and I are just like you. We, we wrote a book and we have a su- monthly support group for former cult members and we speak at conferences. And so um, you know, so, so we're, we're in the same, in the same boat. We, we try to speak up about it and about these experiences and, and, and talk about it, but not everybody does it. My wife wrote a book about it. So, um, but, but I, but I, I get it. I get it. People, people are damaged. They're hurting. And, and, and a lot of times they're ashamed, uh, you know, because they feel like they were gullible and that they shouldn't have been used in that way. And, and that's part of our message really, frankly, is that no, no. You're not flawed. It, it wasn't. It wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You got taken advantage of. You met a determined persuader at a time you were vulnerable, and that's what happened. Is there anything that you can offer that, like, people can do as an exercise on their own to, you know, help them with the shame and mm-hmm. guilt that they might be carrying? And maybe somebody who's listening to this doesn't realize that they're carrying that around. And maybe if they did something, it would, it would help them at least start to process some of that gunk that they're carrying. Yeah. Well, and this might be my um, uh, prejudice as, as a counselor, but 
you know, I, I, I think counseling is very, very helpful to people, you know, in processing shameful experiences. So, you know, experiences about what you feel shame, which is what you're saying is that, that people feel shame. People feel like, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've messed up somehow. I'm flawed. There's something wrong with me. And, and counseling is a good process to, to go into talk to somebody, you know, if you, if you get a good counselor who will be able to, to help you work through that and realize, no, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a normal human being. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, I had a, a negative experience, but you know, people do have negative experiences and, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of what it's about is what you do with that experience and how you recover and, and, you know, tap into your own resiliency and, and emphasize your strengths to yourself and move forward. So, uh, so I, you know, I think seeking out counseling is good. I wish there were more people who were uh, educated about these things. There aren't enough people who are really savvy about the process of getting into cults, but, uh, you know, multi-level marketing, same thing. But, but there are a lot of counselors out there um, who do understand how how to counsel people who are coming out of bad relationships, and and that's it's it's there's some crossover there too. It's like if a woman, uh, for example, it doesn't have to be a woman; it could be a man. But but you know, if a person, uh, you know, got into an abusive relationship, and over time it 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 hurt their self esteem, and and you know, made them just feel bad about themselves and ashamed and, and, you know, no longer the, you know, the bright, happy person that they once were. And then that relationship ends and somehow they get out of it and they manage to drag themselves to counseling somewhere or another, you know, good counselors know how to work with folks like that. And I, I don't think it's that different. I think what you're doing is, is you're trying to help somebody rebuild their self-esteem. Um, reading books uh, that, that are helpful, for example, um, you're from Houston. You might be familiar with Brene Brown. Um, she she's from Houston, as it turns out. And she's written some uh, some good books about healing from shame. Uh, so you know, so those are helpful things to to read and to approach. And then, you know, obviously they they say living well is the best revenge. So finding good, healthy, um, uh, life affirming things that you can do in your own life to you know to attend to your own happiness. Um, I think, I think one of the things though, is that you have to realize, and I know it sounds, it, it sounds corny, but, but it really is true. You know, that you, that your happiness comes from within. It, it doesn't come from, you know, getting rich or anything like that. So I, I, you know, believe me, I, I work because I know that we need money. You have to have some of it, but, um, but in order to have a happy, meaningful, fulfilled life, you don't have to, you don't have to be rich. Yeah, I hear you on that. It's it's yeah. interesting that when you're on the other side, it's like all of a sudden now it's like you actually can find happiness without that thing that you thought that you needed in your life. Now, right. let me ask you this. Um, if somebody is interested in finding a good counselor, how, how can you determine if somebody is a good counselor for a good fit for you that would be able to help you? deal with the shame and guilt that you might have. And, and maybe you just need to go a couple of times. I don't think you need mm -hmm. to go for a lifetime per se. Not necessarily. No. I, and, and um, mo most of the time counseling is just a handful of sessions. Um, you know, unless you're going for psychotherapy, which is its, which is its own thing. But, but um, I mean, most people can get what they need from the counselor and uh, 10 sessions or less, honestly. Um, so, uh, well, you want you want to find somebody with with the license. Um, don't uh, accept no substitutes. I would say you know go get a real counselor, somebody who is a licensed professional counselor or a licensed clinical social worker or a an actual licensed psychologist. Um, you know, who, with with the clinical practice uh, credential. So, you know, there's a, there's a gatekeeper function then. So, uh, so hopefully all of those people are licensed. And, and if, if anything, we're heaven forbid to go wrong in the, um, you know, in the, in the counseling process with folks like that, they're accountable. There's, there's somebody 
um, to whom they have to be accountable, which is the licensing board. So, um, so you could complain on them and, and uh, you know, they, and they would have to be accountable there. So, um, so, I, so I think the, the process of somebody having to have the licensure is big and important, but yeah, you can go, go interview one or two of them and see what theories they adhere to and how they practice. And, uh, you know, ultimately, um, the, the efficacy of the counseling and all the research indicates this uh, is mostly based on the quality of the relationship. So, you know, go, go and see if you connect with them or not. I mean, because that has the most to do with whether or not it's going to be helpful and it's going to work for you. And, and let's just say that you don't feel like you connect with them. I mean, like you don't have to feel like, well, I have to go back to this person. You, no. you can like quote interview your therapist to decide Absolutely. like who you want to see. Absolutely. I, and, and in fact, I would recommend that. And, and, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I've, I've had folks that have, that have interviewed me and, they, and we've mutually decided, no, this is not a good fit. I mean, I, you know, there's nothing, it doesn't have to be anything negative about anybody, but, you know, just, you know, I would actually refer you over to this other person uh, because I think that, you know, that's going to be a better fit for you and your issues and what you're looking to, to work on. So, yeah, yeah, you can interview them. You can decide that this is not the right person for me and you can go find another person. Yeah, great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your insight on everything. Okay, so you wanted to share with my audience the book that your wife wrote? Yeah, um, after, after we left the cult a couple of years afterwards, after we'd had time to, to process the experience, she did decide to write a book about our experience, which has been very well received. Um, here, here it is. I, I, I don't know if uh, you can read that or not. It says, I can't hear God anymore, life in a Dallas cult. So... Um, it, if uh, I'm, I'm sure you can find it on Amazon, uh, but if uh, if you want a new copy, uh, contact us. Our website is uh, DallasCult.com, and you can email us at info at Dallas Cult. So uh, we'd be happy to. Uh, Sell you a copy of the book. Uh, it's uh, it makes a good gift, a good Valentine's gift. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, uh, yeah, we're still we're still doing that. Um, also, I realize we're going to be speaking at a conference coming up pretty soon, and I, I don't know. You probably can't read this, but uh, it's at SMU in oh, yeah. Dallas, um, on. Uh, April the 4th, which is a Saturday, there's a one-day conference uh, for uh, uh, about about spiritual abuse. And, you know, honestly, uh, in, in some senses, I believe people who have been in MLM-type situations have been spiritually abused. And a lot of times, Absolutely. you know, a lot, a lot of religiosity gets tied up with these, with these groups. Um, Big and, time. And, and and so you get exploited and used and and there's an overlay of religion that that, that is there so uh, so I think a lot of people in MLMs have been spiritually abused uh, so if you happen to be in the Dallas area on April the 4th and can make it to the conference at SMU I think it's about fifty dollars it's not much and that that includes lunch so um, and, and there are going to be some good speakers, and my wife and I are doing a panel there as e well. Email me that information, and I'll put it in the video description. Okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's coming up uh, later this year. So we've got the book. Um, people people who want to contact us, go to uh, Dallas Cult or email us at info at DallasCult.com. And if you're in the Dallas area, uh, I, I do, I do counseling and there are people who, you know, who I see for, for counseling and I certainly, uh, would be happy to, happy to talk to somebody who feels like they need counseling in the wake of a bad experience with a multi-level marketing company. Uh, tell me a little bit about like, what does your wife's book cover? Give us some, some of the topics and stuff so that we can kind of have an overview of what's in the books so that my listeners can, you know, Make that decision. Say yes, I want that. 
Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what it really is, and, and I think it's one of the reasons why it's an effective book and it's a good read is because she just tells a story. She yeah. tells the story of how she got attracted into the group. Part part of it was me. I recruited her. Um, oh, my. Well, I recruited her because I wanted to date her. You know? <laughs> so I said, well, you know, here, join my join my cult so I can date you. I, nobody, nobody joins a cult. That's number one thing. Nobody joins a cult. You go to a Bible study or you go to a yoga class or you go to a church that you think you, you do something that you think is going to help you flourish in your life. And that's the same exact thing that happens with people that, you know, that get involved with a, with an MLM. It, yep. It's like you, you, you don't, you don't think, Oh, I'm going to join some organization that's going to take up my time for the next four years. And, and, alienate me from all my friends and and financially bankrupt me and make me depressed and ashamed and discouraged uh gee that's what i want to do no no that's not what you do you, you join something that you think is going to help you achieve your dreams and 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 you know get financial freedom and and all the all the things that they sell you so so yeah eventually i i will be in a place where um, you know, I, I, I won't have to struggle so much and, and, you know, life is hard and, and, and people are looking for shortcuts. I get yep. it. Uh, yep. Life is hard. Life's is often a struggle. Um, and if they're, if, you know, if I, if I figure out, you know, people buy lottery tickets for that reason. Um, uh, but, uh, and those, those usually turn out not to be good investments either, but, uh, you Very know, true. yeah. Kind of a similar thing in a similar mindset, but yeah, people are looking for it. Yeah, definitely. And when you brought up the religious aspect, it just makes me think of the uh, various conferences and you know mm -hmm. quarterly meetings or whatever. Because I mean, they are big to dos, and you know it does take on you know like this religious fervor. And I would go so far as to say that overall. And I just use, this is my umbrella, you know, pretend this is an umbrella, but I just look at multi-level marketing overall becomes like your savior. It is almost like a religion in and of itself. It, it is. It is right. It, it, it becomes your, your central consuming passion in life. And, and it really kind of takes over your life. And yeah. it, it is very, very much like a religion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and then I I think is this is what happened to me, is that then I got into law of attraction and you know all these other things because I, I it almost seems like once you have opened yourself up to one cult, come on look there's some others well, let's just add those onto it you know yeah. it's like with multi level well, marketing you just get involved with other things that they all work together but they're all very you know cult-like and i recently did a video on um the business activity tracker for beachbody it fits the bite model because that's what i went through it was like this is how it fits all of everything yeah. in the bite model right right yeah um and and honestly uh oh oops hang on i came back <laughs> yeah you, you disappeared on me um and and that would be something you were asking about what what people can do and, and and you absolutely started doing it is um i i would read some of the books i, I read combating cult mind control uh by steve hassan and and you know get a yellow highlighter out and highlight all the things that that you think really fit and apply to your you know to your experience in multi-level marketing and 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 there is there is a, a freedom that comes in in coming to understand what has happened and, you know, gaining insight yeah. into it. It's like, Oh, I, that's how that worked. Yeah. I see what they did. Yeah. I have his book right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And I have this one as yes, well. That's, that's an excellent book. And then Lifton's is over there on the shelf. So yeah, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. So, so you have, you have absolutely, um, you know, made that connection and you're, you know, you, you get it, you know, you, you understand they, you know, they're, they're doing really the same thing. They're doing the same thing. It's that and, playbook. Yeah. It's the playbook. You know, it, it's interesting when, um, when you first go to like it, uh, um, an ICSA conference, the international cultic studies association, which Wendy and I are involved in, um, a lot of times they'll have groups for, for former members. They'll have a former member track and, and, you know, they'll kind of have an orientation group where everybody sits around and 
you know, they, they kind of give the, the background to what's happened and, and, you know, people talk a little bit and tell a little bit of their story and, and, and the facilitators will relate it to the cult process and how cults work and, and, and people will, will be listening and, and it doesn't really even matter what kind of, what kind of group it was. My group was a Christian group, a Bible-based group. But you know, some people are in Eastern groups with a with a guru or a, mm-hmm. a yoga mm-hmm. style group, and and it's like everybody will go, wow, did all of our leaders go to the same school? And you know, it's like the school of the dark arts or something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, the answer is they. It, it's not that. It's just that that determined persuaders figure out over time what works and how you manipulate people. If you have a desire to dominate, control, and manipulate, then it doesn't, it really doesn't take all that long to figure out which buttons to push. Um, you know, the guilt button is a big one, you know, the, you know, the work harder, you're not doing enough and, 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 and people succumb to that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. So you, yeah, you've read uh, Robert Cialdini, um, you know, talking about the, you know, the different ways uh, that influencers work on us. And, and so, you know, like I said, you could be, what you could be peddling is, you know, in the case of Eastern groups is, you know, enlightenment or nirvana or whatever. In the case of Christian groups, it's salvation. In in the case of, of multi-level marketing groups, it's prosperity and financial freedom. But, but whatever the it is at the end of the rainbow, um, you know, the techniques to, to get you in there, you know, in there control are all pretty much the same yeah absolutely ten thousand percent and that's what just you know it fascinates and horrifies me seeing this now something you may or may not know of and this is what i found when i started you know doing my research because you know that's something that i've always done all my life is i research things except for when it Mm -hmm. came to multi-level marketing you know funny how that happens um but there's actually a company called the Sheffield Group, and I did a video on them. And it's a company that will teach you how to create your own multi-level marketing. So they do wow. have a playbook that they, they basically they, give out. They, yeah, they, have a, they literally have a school of the dark arts. Yep, wow. they do. Isn't that bizarre? Wow. And Beachbody yeah. is one of their clients. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So it's 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 very interesting um, how it all works. But I just think it's so important for people to know it's not you. You've actually been, you know, you've been manipulated, mentally manipulated, right. and you're you're okay, and you can get through this, you know. And exactly. They 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 took advantage of of some things about you that are just things that are common to all of us as human beings. We all have vulnerabilities. We all have needs. We're human, and 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 that makes us vulnerable, uh, but it also makes us resilient. And so, um, you know, so you have you kind of have to look on on the upside as well is that, you know, human beings can recover as well. Uh, Something else I wanted to let you know, because I I would love to be able to go to an ICSA conference one day. It's just this year, I think it's going to be in Canada. And I just don't know if that's, you know, in the cards for me right now. Um, But I am working on, and one of my patrons is um, helping me with this. I've developed um, a, a survey I think mm-hmm. there's, it, it's quite extensive, and I overlaid the bite model on part of it, as well as I took something that the AARP did in 2018 on multi-level marketing. I took aspects from that, and then also because of you, because you connected me with someone, and they sent me a paper, so I was able to mm-hmm. extract stuff from that to create the overall survey, and hopefully one day, maybe I can write a paper on it, or present it somewhere, or do something, but I'm hoping to get some data to be able to show that, you know, something that we don't have right now because usually it's going to the direct sellers association or right. if companies have their income disclosure statements available, not everyone does, but I want to have something more that's like, that's been quantified. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in, in every field that's super important is to have actual real research and, you know, quantify what's, what's actually happening so you can make meaningful, meaningful assertions about it. But, um, but certainly, you know the human the human side of it is also important, and 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 what you know what is the experience of the people, you know who have been through these processes, you know how, how do they feel about it? And, you know I'm 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 thinking a lot of them don't feel very good at all. 
No, they do. They don't. There, and there's so many people that have lost thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. And, and a lot of companies, you don't even have products that you buy, like with Beachbody, you know, you don't stock up on anything, you know, but that doesn't prevent people from keep on buying different things, whether it's getting their beach bars, because it got to be a product of the product. So got to try it. I never succumb to that. I'm like, I got the one thing. I'm like, no, I can't get all this stuff on auto ship. That's nuts. So at least yeah. I didn't do that. But there are people that will have multiple products. So having hundreds of products, hundreds of dollars of products come to their home every month. Right, right. And probably, you know, have it automatically deducted from their checking account. Yep. Until the checking account runs out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so sad. It's so sad. And, and yeah, people go broke. It's just awful. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for your time. And I may want to ask you again to be on, like, and talk about another aspect. And there's sure. several ideas that I have bouncing around in my head. Thank you so much. I hope you really enjoyed my conversation with Doug. I know I found it very enlightening. His contact information will be in the description as well as his email and the URL for his website and his wife's book, which is I Can't Hear God Anymore, Life in the Dallas Cult. Thank you so much for your time. And remember, if we want there to be change in this world, it is up to us to do it, up to us to tell our stories. And remember, change starts now.